This is Blue Collar Culture, where you don't need ping pong tables, a cereal bar, or nap pots to attract and retain real A players. Join us where we speak with down-to-earth leaders that understand what it takes to win with a blue collar culture. Now here are your hosts, Jeremy McLiver and Ryan England. Welcome back to another episode. I am super excited about today's guest. I have been a fan of his since early 2000s when I read his first book. And it really got me thinking just differently about marketing and relationships and the way we communicate with our target market. Today's guest, a marketing consultant, speaker, and author, you may have heard of one of his books. He's got Duct Tape Marketing, The Referral Engine, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, and The Ultimate Marketing Engine. In fact, he's got a new book coming out, which we're going to spend time talking about today. John Jantz, thank you for being on the show today. Hey, Ryan. Uh, Thanks for having me. I appreciate the support. Yeah. uh, Big fan. I love the idea that you have a new book coming out. Can't wait to read it. But before we jump into that, what is one of the biggest myths about your industry? What is something you want to dispel for all of our listeners right now? Well, I think the biggest is, and it seems to have grown bigger in the last couple of years, <laughs> is that marketing is this really complex deal, particularly digital marketing is this really complex thing. I've spent probably the last couple of decades certainly acknowledging the new platforms and things that have come along, but also trying to teach people what not to do because I think the real allure to try to be everywhere and to be all things and do all this is really causing a great deal of stress. And I really show people how to simplify. Yeah. I saw this infographic one time of all the social media platforms you can be on and they had to make it so tiny to fit on one piece of paper. You couldn't even see the logos. It seems like it's just changing so, so fast. So what's your recommendation? How do we overcome that? Well, I think the real key starts with getting very, very narrow about who your ideal customer is to start with, because that will actually help dictate a little bit of where you need to be, because logic is you need to be where they are. You need to be where your ideal customer is getting their information. And then I think the second part is to really fully understand the problem that you're uniquely suited to solve for them. And I think when you get those two pieces, you've got your messaging down, and then you can focus on guiding that group and that group only through the journey really that they're already going on. And you just have to be there in that place. And that really just allows you to do a lot less and certainly not chase every new social media platform. Yeah. Be the big fish in the small pond. That's what I heard there. Find out who your group is and go after them. I love that. So we spend a lot of time on this show talking about hiring. And we talk about how so many people think it is the number one issue in America right now for small businesses. It's how do they find good people? And our approach is very unique in that we believe that recruiting is a marketing activity. So I think this is going to be a really good conversation, but I want to know a little bit more about the book you have coming out and how people can use marketing in that sense to build referral partnerships to really get their network or their tribe to come in and help them solve some of these challenges they're having? Well, before I answer that, I will tell you that I've for years said that marketing is everything. So certainly (laughs) hiring fits into that equation. So this new book's called The Ultimate Marketing Engine. It's five steps to ridiculously consistent growth. And probably the biggest premise of the book is that we grow a business with our customers. And that first gets into understanding. I actually encourage people to narrow their focus to the top 20% of the folks that they're working with. 
with the idea that you can completely understand them. You can communicate in a way that says, yes, you are for me. You're going to solve my problems. And I'll tell you, it's interesting, but the biggest challenge that a lot of businesses have is if I'm a remodeling contractor, anybody that owns a home is my potential customer. Of course, even though I'm doing really high-end bespoke work you know, on kitchens and things, I'm still fixing gutters for people, or at least I give that impression that I am. So if you really drill down and understand who makes an ideal customer and the problem that you're solving for them, and by the way, it's not that you're designing a new kitchen for them. I mean, there's pretty much figure anybody can get a new kitchen if they've got you know, craftspeople. The assumption may not be true, but it's how you get it done the experience that they have. I mean, anybody that's remodeled a kitchen knows, you know, what a disaster that can be to a family's routine. And so the process of how that gets done and the company that can get it done in a way that is less disruptive, that communicates, you know, all the things that make it a good experience, that's actually the problem that they solve. It's not building the kitchen. It's really the process of how you got there. So if you understand who you're working for and the problem you really solve for them, then you can start communicating to the world that this is what we do. This is how we're different in a way that's going to attract more of them, but also is going to teach, I think, in a lot of ways, a client how to be ideal. I mean, if you have a certain process in place for onboarding, for getting work done, for getting communication, and you're communicating that all along in the marketing part of your business, you're going to attract more of that ideal customer. And that ideal customer because you're providing so much value, it's such a good fit. Some percentage of them are going to want to do 10 times as much business with you or 100 times as much business with you rather than chasing every odd kind of opportunity that comes along. You narrow your focus and then you grow with that customer. I think that's great. So really target on who that ideal customer is and figure out what that problem is you're really solving. It's not the new kitchen, right? Maybe it's because your wife loves to entertain and she's embarrassed by the quality of the kitchen she has. And so that's what you're really helping them with. But then you said a couple of times and it was subtle, but I loved it. Process. Yeah. Have a process with this. And it sounds so easy and common sense. Of course, you got to have a process. Blows my mind how many people I talk to that have never thought about putting a process in when it comes to how they actually deliver and the value they bring and not just get the work done, but how do you turn that one kitchen into 10 kitchens or to that next big project? The thing's funny too about that is sometimes they have a process or at least somebody in the organization has a process. That's how they actually get the job done or get the work accomplished, but they just haven't thought about it being their unique process and unique enough to document and to brand and to maybe actually communicate, here's the process we're going to go down yeah. know, for three months we're together because it's actually a great marketing message and marketing materials to show somebody that you've got a professional process. That you've done it enough and you do it well enough that you can tell them it's only three steps. Yeah. Now, it might take a year to get through all three steps, but if you've got three steps and you can break it down that way, it really does elevate that level of professionalism. We had a client years ago that we developed this for, and I, it's a remodeling contractor that I've worked with for going on over two decades. And we actually outlined all the steps in the remodeling process, and we called it the remodeling curve. Because in their particular business, 
there are parts that are you approve the plans. That's like a really high <laughs> drywall sanding is way down here. Sure. <laughs> and so they actually went through and they had about 47 steps along the way. And they said, here's how you're going to feel during each of these. And so not only did they show that they have a very documented outline process, they actually used it as a way to set expectations too. Oh, that's fantastic. That's one of the things we talk about when it comes to building a team or partnerships is so often these relationships don't work out because expectations aren't met. Whether they're spoken or not, like everybody walks into a relationship with expectations. And I think it's our job to say, hey, here's what the real expectations are and here's what you can really expect. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I often kid and tell businesses that our job is to lower their expectations, you know, because <laughs> then they're easier to exceed. Someone told me a long time ago, do what you say you're going to do and just never say what you're going to do. <laughs> Super easy way to lower expectations. So let's talk about this building partnerships. You had mentioned that that's a big part of the book. Let's talk about what's that look like and what do you mean by partnerships? Well, so I'll reemphasize something I said already, this idea of growing with our customers is I think a really great, beautiful way to grow. I mean, we all have probably experienced getting a referral and you get that referral from an ideal customer. A lot of times that's really great because that ideal customer probably knows somebody else who's like <laughs> them, like their ideal customer, right? They don't ask about price as much, or at least that's not high on the list. They are typically remain more loyal. They might actually refer people too. So it's just a great, beautiful circle, this idea of referrals, of course. But in the book, what I try to do is say, look, that's great. You know that, that that's valuable. Let's do something about it intentionally. Let's set up some processes where we are reminding our customers at least quarterly why it would make it smart for them to refer us. Let's reward our champion customers, those ones that are already referring us. What could we do special for them? How could we bring them together? Mm. How could we actually impact the entire ecosystem of our best customers? So if we are providing services of one kind, we know that they probably need all the other things. To, let's say a homeowner. They need all the other things in their home fixed. Could we build a strategic partner network where we could go in at any time and say, look, we just did this great project. I know that you might have this kind of project and this kind of project coming up. We have a couple of great partners. Here's 10% off <laughs> for the next time you need them. And guess what? They're doing that for you when they go in on their service calls as well. So this idea of just intentionally bubbling up the fact that people want to refer you by making it really easy is a big part of what I teach, I have for years, I actually wrote another book. You mentioned the referral engine that's all about referrals. But in this particular book, I really bring it into an overarching strategy as well. It got me thinking when you were talking, I think as business owners, we have this, it really is, it's the wrong perception of our clients. We think, well, they're happy. Referring us is easy. Like they don't need our help. If they want to refer us, they'll refer us. And I think just like testimonials, not everybody has the skill set to really give you a good, well-thought-out testimonial, which is why you see so many reviews with just the star rating, no words. Right? And it's equipping them and helping them through that process. Yeah, or making it as easy as possible, I think, is really one of the real keys. And again, everybody's so busy. And so the idea that somebody's going to stop what they're doing and just think, oh, yeah, I'm going to go do this now. The beautiful thing, though, is as human beings, if we exceed people's expectations, if we surprise them, there are a lot of people out there that'll just be motivated to talk about it. You know, look how smart I was to, you know, to hire this company. Yeah. And so you know, we want to take advantage of that. Yeah. So how do you go about 
I'm sure this is in the book, but how do you go about finding these partners and building these relationships? So the first place is ask your customers. Mm. Who's best of class <laughs> that they work with? Obviously, that to me is the first step because now you've got a mutual shared client or customer. So great logical place to start. Obviously, their reputation and doing some research online. I mean, you can find people. Here's what I recommend people doing though. If you take this mindset that I want to build this partner team of best of class providers, first and foremost, so that when my client or my customer needs something, I have somebody to refer them to. Mm. And so nobody goes on your list because you think they can get you referrals. <laughs> they go on your list because they'd be a great partner for you to provide to your clients. So actually, I would recommend build that list. Maybe it's eight, 10 people. Send them a letter that says, look, I have customers that I think might be able to use services like what you provide. I wonder if you could teach me the best way to introduce you to my customers. Mm. Now, if you got that letter, wouldn't you at least go, well, I'm going to check this person out. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, they said, wait, I don't know who you are, but you want to refer me to your customers? Sure, let's talk. Yeah. So that's the way that you actually get on somebody's radar. But then you've got to have something that can activate the relationship. Can you interview them on your podcast? Can you have them write guest content or can you provide guest content for their website? Mm. Could you do a video interview? If you do some sort of how-to educational series, could you offer that to their customers or their community for free? So recruit these folks, but then have a way to actually activate them. Maybe there's a co-marketing thing that I mentioned. You know, You could all... Have your service technicians be passing out each other's discounts when they go in and make a call. Wow. I mean, so many good nuggets there in just being able to start the conversation with those partners. So what's the next step? How do you make sure it actually moves forward? Because I'll tell you, my experience has been, I've had this experience many times where we start this partnership and it's great. And then it just kind of fizzles out. Like nobody knows what that next step is. Yeah. Well, that's why I say it's so key to have that next step, have the workshop that you could do, have the content that you could create, do a podcast interview. If possible, become a customer or actually offer a service. You know, I'm in professional services businesses. So, I mean, I could actually go to strategic partners and say, look, let me do an analysis of your marketing or let me review your website just so you know how I work. Now, obviously, I'm not trying to sell that person anything. I just want them to experience how I work. I think a lot of times, even though we have a great meeting, we say, yeah, let's work together. We don't really have full confidence in how it's actually going to work or how they're going to work. So you got to find ways to go deeper and deeper and deeper. And you might even get together, the three of you say, and do offer a webinar or some sort of educational step so that you're all inviting each other's folks there. So you're cross-pollinating in a way. Oh, that's great. I love that. I think a lot of it too, is just finding people that are like-minded, right? They have that servant's heart. I mean, when you were talking about getting that letter, I mean, the first thing I thought of was something I learned in BNI, giver's gain. It's just that give first mentality with zero expectation of anything in return, just because you want to be more valuable to your clients or just more valuable in the community. I think that's fantastic. So one question I want to ask you, because this is something that we teach when we're helping people recruit is developing partnerships when it comes to who's out in the marketplace, who's out there having these conversations with workers who may be looking at another job. And we teach a marketing plan process for how do you get in front of these partners? What are some things that we could do to open up that relationship just besides that 10% discount? What are some of the things that you've seen work so that 
it's really easy to transition into a, hey, can maybe we help each other go hire some people? Because I might have people that might work better for you or they might work better for me and we can start getting out there and supporting each other. Well, I think that that's another aspect of your strategic partner network, really, because I think in most instances, your strategic partner network are non-competing businesses who also have your ideal customer in mind, Yeah, but they're probably in tangential industries. And so I think the idea of co-marketing for hiring ought to be part of the consideration with your strategic partners as well. We have a client that is looking for skilled trade lead carpenters currently, and they've gotten together with a couple other trades and are doing apprenticeship programs and are doing hiring fairs to where you it's like come in because there are lots of those out there, but these are kind of very reputable names that are doing this to their own. But they're coming together and doing Coming it. together and saying, look, there's a couple opportunities. You ought to get into the skilled <laughs> trades of one shape or another. And yeah. obviously all of the educational institutions are looking for people that can teach or at least speak to those types of job opportunities. So doing a lot of outreach in the community is a big part as well. Yeah. Community involvement is big. I talk a lot of times about small businesses in particular. If you're still involved in the day-to-day of your business, you're still a small business. You might have 200 employees. You're still a small business. And if people can't find you, they can't apply for your jobs. And I'm sure you talk about that when it comes to branding and marketing and everything else. If they can't find you, they can't become your customer, right? Yep. And what's interesting is hiring messages. So hiring advertising is actually a pretty decent brand message, unless it's like desperate. Yeah. Yeah. We need people. But the fact that you are hiring and continuing to grow is a decent brand message for a lot of businesses too. So if you start thinking, oh, this is really expensive and shifting some of your budget that you might be spending on attracting clients, I think you can feel comfortable that if it's placed in the right places, it will have the impact of building your brand as well. I love that you said that because like I said, for me, You are definitely a credible source when it comes to marketing. And we teach a process around redirecting advertising because ads that attract good people will attract good clients. But the other isn't exactly true, right? I'll tell you another thing. And again, you might not be in a position to do this, but we've all seen the particular industries that are marble countertop discount only today, that's all their messaging, right? Yeah. As opposed to messaging about the company and what it believes. I mean, that type of messaging in your marketing certainly is going to go a long way towards attracting people who believe those values who want to work there as well, promoting your people and that they're happy and that they're doing great work. Yeah. And obviously having processes where you treat customers fair. And I mean, all of that goes into your ability to hire. And I just think about to what you were talking about earlier about having those really well-defined processes and creating these partnerships. I mean, so much of it has to do with are you just aligned? Do you have the same value system? Do you think the same way? I mean, those are the best partnerships. Well, and I know because you focus on this so much too, not having those processes. And so having balls dropped by no fault of the employee who happens to be there facing the brunt of the ball being dropped. Yeah. I mean, it wears on people. So obviously having great service, having great values in action and having processes makes for happier employees. And so now we're square into the retention idea. Yeah. Let's talk about that for a second. So we've talked about having this process and having some of this messaging. Any tips for our listeners on how they can start working on that? Yeah. I mean, to me, 
guess who knows the answer? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to tell us? Yeah, I'm going to tell you. Your customers, your ideal customers know what you do that nobody else is doing for them. And so make it a point to talk to eight or 10 happy, happy customers. And again, this is not research. You're not doing NPS scoring or anything. <laughs> this is you finding out the real things that people buy from you, the real problems that you solve for folks. So I'll give you an example. We worked with a tree service years ago that all over their website, all their messaging, family owns, third generation, all good stuff, all nice stuff. But we interviewed their customers. And then I'll tell you another gold mine is, well, first off, get those Google reviews, but then scan the heck out of them because you're going to see so much messaging in the words that people actually say mm. in a Google review, not just the five stars, but the paragraph of here's what we get that nobody else does for us. So back to my tree service, we interviewed their customers, scanned their Google reviews, and about 50% of them said some combination of they show up when they said they would, and they clean up the job site every time. I don't think anybody really even talked much about the tree coming down beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, yeah, you got a chainsaw on a truck. Of course, you cut a tree down. But you showed up exactly when you said you were going to. So I didn't have to wait for four hours. And when I came home at the end of the day from work, I could hardly tell you were there. That's the problem they were solving for their ideal customers, because we've all had the opposite of those things. And it's not just getting trees cut down. It's pretty much everything that you have done probably on your home. And so that became their core message and their strategy for their business. They built a whole on-time guarantee around it and just communicated that because the customers told them, here's what's important to us. And I will tell you, shockingly, sometimes it's really little simple things that you just assume everybody else does, but they're not. Has nothing to do with taking care of trees at all. Right. <laughs> that's great. You said there was a gold mine as well. Is that, was that it? Well, that's what I'm saying. Those Google reviews, uh, you should be scanning. If you've got over 25 five-star Google reviews, I guarantee you that there are blog post ideas in there. There are email subject lines. There are messaging that probably should go above the fold on your website before you ever talk about all the great stuff that you do. You should be promising to solve your ideal customer's greatest problem. That right there, that was a goldmine tip. First off, if you don't have Google reviews, let's solve that problem first. But if you do, I love that. Go through, read them, take the time to really get to hear what your clients are saying about you. And I will tell you, if you don't think prospective employees are looking at those, you're crazy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's something close to 80% of job seekers actually Google the company first. And what's the first thing that comes up for a lot of companies? It's not even their website. <laughs> Well, no, especially local businesses. It's the map pack. It's the map or the Yelp or the Google reviews, all those things that you have less control over. So definitely make sure you stay on top of those. I think this is great. Anything else you want to share about partnerships with us? Well, I have to remember what I have shared. <laughs> There's a whole book out there about this, right? Like how to create this. And I love that it's five steps to ridiculously consistent growth. Five. It's only five. Yeah. It's probably a couple hundred page book though, right? It is a couple hundred page book. And if you just think about, so I'll go through the five steps, map where your best customers are today and where they want to go. That's a big, big sort of innovation. I think that I'm trying to bring to the world here is that most of our customers come to us in a certain stage, certain characteristics, certain challenges. We can recognize that they're in that stage. That's why they've become a prospect or a customer. So my idea is that what if we then looked at what would the next stage look like for them and the next and the next, and that we actually were able to 
build our entire service offerings and processes around helping them achieve the milestones that would move them to the next stage. So it's not just about solving today's problem. It's about helping them in the future. Yeah, yeah. Like I think that's definitely a different way of thinking about it. Yeah. Where do they want to go? Not what are we here to sell them? What's the transformation that we could ultimately provide? Yeah. So that's a big one. But uncover the real problem you solve for your ideal customers. That's just step number two. And that's really all about this whole, some of the things we've been talking about, yeah. getting at that messaging. Then step number three is going to challenge some people. Narrow your focus to the top 20% of your ideal customers. Mm. This is a tough one. And 20% is sort of arbitrary, but what I have seen over the years is that there is a product or service that you offer that typically is producing most of your profit for a certain type of customer. And yet when I go to your homepage, there are 27 services on there that you uh, <laughs> imply that you offer because, hey, you did dig that trench around somebody's driveway one time. Yeah. And so you can offer that. So we want to make sure people know that. But if you just focused on the fact that you are the best basement waterproofing company on the planet, <laughs> because you are, and that's where you make all of your money, then anybody who comes to your website says, oh, well, these are the people we need to hire for that. One of the things that I love about that step, and I've seen clients that have gone through this process, but your marketing, your advertising becomes so much simpler. Everything. Yeah. Cheaper. It's less expensive. It's so much easier because it's like laser focused on that 20%. I love that tip. So once you know who you're trying to attract, you kind of know where you're trying to take them. You know the problem you're solving. It makes it a lot easier than to explore what channels you're going to put that message out there. And so your job really is to be very focused on that narrow idea. And then the fifth step is scale with your customers by serving their entire ecosystem. And that's kind of my view of the whole referral, partnering, all those kinds of things. Because once you really know who that ideal customer is and you've lasered in on exactly what it is you do for them to solve their problems then you can really spend a lot of time growing with them by either partnering or getting referrals or finding ways to actually do more with them instead of kind of chasing after every new thing that comes along. I love that concept. So it's almost like I'm the only one that's in their phone on speed dial. And anytime they need anything, they call me because they know I'm connected to really high quality professionals. Yeah. I think I even go as far one line in the book. I say something like, you can become the only company that matters to them. Wow. I love that. That is exciting stuff. I am looking forward to this book. Comes out in September. Yeah. So depending upon when you're listening to this, September 21st of 2021, it'll be available. All right. That's amazing. And you've got a free offer for our listeners, correct? I do. So if you're one of those people who says, gosh, I'm listening to this. I wish I could get something now. Pre-order a copy of the book at wherever you order books. You can find pretty much all the links to do that at the ultimate marketing engine com, which is the name of the book. You pre-order that book, come back there and, uh, and you'll find a big button that says, get the companion course, fill out that form, and you'll instantly get access to six training videos on some of these concepts, along with worksheets. This book, once it is published, you will find, and you buy a copy of it, you'll find that there's some links in there to all kinds of resources, tools, checklists, things that we use every day working with business owners to develop some of these concepts. You're going to have access to the whole library of 40 or 50 tools that come along with the book as well. But you can get the companion course right away. And then on September 21st, whoever you ordered a book from, it'll show up on your doorstep. Oh, that's great. That's exciting. And we'll have all those links in the show notes. So if you're listening at this in the car, like most of our listeners do, when you get back to the office, make sure you go check out our website because it's in the show notes. We'll have all the information about the pre-order, the special offer, everything else. 
John, thank you so much for being my guest today. I had a great time talking about this. You bet. Loved it. Thanks so much. The Blue Collar Culture Podcast is sponsored by bluecollarculture.com. We help entrepreneurs create a healthy culture and build a self-managing business. To learn more, go to bluecollarculture.com.